Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. Today our topic is online education, and uh, we also are going to be talk- talking about Indiana's newest university. Uh, joining us from India- Indianapolis, I assume, Allison, I know you're not in Bloomington, uh, Allison Barber, Chancellor of the Western Governors University uh, of Indiana. <coughs> Also, Dean Danny Callison of IU Continuing Studies and Professor Kurt Bunk of the IU School of Education. If you um, want to join us on the program today, you can call us at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. If you want to uh, go online, go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can send us – you can give us a note there or join a chat about uh, the program. So – Thanks you. Uh, thank you all for being here. Thanks. Sure. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is uh, this is going to be. I think this this hour is going to fly by because I, I know all three of you have a lot to say about uh, this topic. I want to. Uh, I'm going to give Allison the first shot though because I think a lot of our listeners probably are not at all um, savvy about what, what Western Governors University is. So could you give us sort of a, a primer on the school that you're running? Sure, happy to, and thanks for including me today on the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are excited here in the state about WGU Indiana because, uh, as you mentioned, the newest university and just one more tool in our toolbox of higher education opportunities for Hoosiers. What makes WGU Indiana pretty unique is that there are a few features. Number one, we are totally online. We're a nonprofit online university. Um, and so all the work is done by the students online. The second thing is we're competency-based. So, you know, the university was really started 12 years ago by governors who recognized people in their states not having access to higher education uh, who were working full-time and had a complicated life. And so 12 years ago, these governors came together and created the Western Governors University model. We just introduced it into Indiana in June. But it's competency-based, so it's really geared toward the adult learner. So my average student's 36 years old, and 70% of my students work full-time. Mm-hmm. And we focus only on four colleges because our idea is how do we help adults here in the state retool themselves and either finish the degree that they started and didn't get to complete or take on a new degree so they're marketable for new jobs. And that's why our colleges only focus in the areas of education, business, IT, and health professions. So. It really is a university geared toward the adult uh, where we come alongside and say we're going to do it at a, in a flexible model. It's all online. It's affordable because we're nonprofit. It's about $6,000 a year. And we're competency-based because we're going to look at the adult and say, boy, what have you already learned in your job? We don't want to teach you what you already know. Let's teach you what you haven't learned yet and get you through the process in a quick fashion so that you're back out into the workforce. Mm-hmm. So your Western Governors University, Indiana, um, I assume then that there are Western Governors Universities with other states at the end of the name, correct? Well, interestingly enough, we're the first state in the country to do it. And so right now there is Western Governors University, the the parent university that's been around 12 years, and we have students in, from all 50 states in that in the university. Indiana is the first state in the country to put a, a presence right inside the state. And so it's, it really becomes valuable for Hoosiers because now you have access to additional grant money from the state if you're a student. And then it gives us the benefit of really reaching out and blanketing the state face-to-face mm-hmm. with potential students. So Indiana's the first. So where's the headquarters for this university? The headquarters for Western Governors University is in Salt Lake City, uh, and that's the parent organization that's been around for 12 years. WGU Indiana, we're located right here in the heart of Indianapolis. Uh huh. So the $6,000 a year, does that end up in Salt Lake City or Indianapolis, or where does that money go? Because we're, uh, because we're nonprofit, we're self-sustained on student tuition. And so the student's tuition money is built right back into the program. So, for instance, um, 
I've hired 60 Hoosiers to work here at WGU Indiana as mentors and enrollment counselors. And so the, the money is, it's, it's the university money, the student tuition really helps just continue building out our programs. And we grow as our student base grows. Okay, thanks. All right. Um, Danny, I want to turn I want to turn to Danny Callison. I know when I, I looked uh, at some things online and when uh, Michael McRobbie talked about you when you were named to your job, and he wasn't president yet when uh, you were named to, to the job, but he, uh, he pointed to your experience with developing and expanding distance learning programs uh, as a great asset for continuing, continuing studies. So, uh, you know, I wondered how your, how, how your views of this and how your program maybe differs from Western Governors University. How do they work together? How do they blend together? Well, Indiana University, through the School of Continuing Studies, has actually been in the distance education business for over 50 years. And um, the primary degree, of course, that's offered at a distance to our adult learners is the uh, bachelor's degree in general studies. It's offered on each one of our campuses, along with the university-wide program, which is primarily responsible for uh, delivery of the coursework at a distance. We represent about 180 courses. Uh, and during the time that I've served as dean, which is now going into its fourth year, <clears throat> much of what we have done is move what have been traditional correspondence courses over to online delivery, uh, an in-house platform that uh, was built by the school and maintained by the school and has served the school quite well. But with OnCourse becoming more secure, more dependable over the last two years especially, we've decided to now migrate all of those courses into the OnCourse uh, platform. Uh, those courses, which are available uh, to um, adult students, our average age, by the way, of the students who are seeking uh, bachelor's in general studies is about 41. Um, and we graduate uh, from the distance program about 100 students each year with a bachelor's in general studies. But around the state of Indiana, uh, there are about 1,200 to 1,400 who graduate each year now with a bachelor's in general study. And um, again, uh, being offered at each one of our campuses. Now, part of the coordination for distance delivery is not only what we deliver out of the university-wide program with independent study, but we also have a growing number of online offerings that come from some of our campuses, particularly from IPFW, which has a, a listing of probably about 300 online classes now in the undergraduate uh, realm. IU East, which has expanded tremendously in online delivery over the last uh, two or three years, and we've worked very closely with IU East uh, because they serve as a campus that we turn to quite frequently for our out-of-state students to access what we call interactive online courses in addition to what we offer as far as independent study. And then Indianapolis also has a large uh, number of online courses that we draw from as well. Our program, which is a part of the IUPOI program, along with IPFW, uh, are recognized by the Higher Learning Commission as programs to deliver the degree online. And we have a growing number of campuses now that are looking at probably gaining those credentials as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I want to turn to, to uh, Kurt, who is uh, a guy who's written a, a book that is – well, it's, I read a lot about the book online, as a matter of fact. Um, one of the things that I read was, and I can't, I don't know who, I, I can't quote anybody on this. I, I can use the quote, but I don't know who said it. Um, says that uh, for those of you eager to stay current on open education trends, I recommend the new book by Curtis Bonk, The World is Open, How Web Technology is Revolutionizing um, education. So, you know, in in that we we had we have two people, uh, Danny and Allison, both talked about specific programs, and these programs are both obviously growing, booming. Um, so, I'd like for you to sort of put this into context about um, the whole age of technology and how technology is revolutionizing revolutionizing education. I know you wrote a whole book about it, so I don't expect you to tell me everything you know, but but just sort of an overview of that. Sure, sure. You know, uh, Danny says this has been going on for 50 years here at Indiana and probably a lot longer in, in other institutions. 
And, you know, what he's talking about in terms of correspondence is exactly what I was a, a product of. Uh, I was a board accountant back in the mid-'80s, a CPA and so forth, and, and stuck in a cube farm and didn't really like my situation. So I took correspondence and TV courses to qualify for graduate school at Wisconsin. And, you know, uh, I got this little book I got for a dollar on Amazon sitting next to me called Learning at the Back Door, Reflections on the Nontraditional Learning in the Lifespan by Charles Wiedemeyer. Now, he was at Wisconsin teaching the first distance learning courses in the 1950s and 60s. It helped create the Open U in the U.K. and other things. But anyone can buy this book for a dollar. It's a great book on Amazon used. Um, you know, don't buy my book. Buy this one for a buck. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you'll learn about adults and, and what Allison's talking about here that, you know, it is, a, it is important to address people that have some college but haven't fully completed it. So what, uh, what we see today is an extension of what's been going on for decades, if not centuries, but in so many new formats, people are confused by them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to do is sort out all these trends, the 10 main ones, and the 10 trends I spell out include ebooks, which I thought was not that important when I came out with the book and ended up being one of the most important, um, portals for finding things like Shakespeare and Darwin and, and Einstein and uh, mobile learning and virtual worlds like Second Life and all this. And I try and make sense of the 10 trends, e-learning and blended learning. And I come up with an acronym called We All Learn, and every letter stands for one of the 10 openers. And so these 10 openers converge to open up education so that today anyone can learn anything from anyone else at any time. That's, my, that's the premise of the book. And I sort of stand by it. It makes people think that, the, that you know, really it's difficult to wade through all the opportunities that are there today. But if we can say, here's 10 trends, and let's focus on these and what we can do in our institutions with mobile learning or with ebooks or open source software or whatever the, the event, venture would be. We can do strategic planning around these. And I talked about Western governors, actually. I wrote twice as much as what you see in the book there, and I'm writing a free ebook that will eventually come out where I talk about Western governors, and I interviewed some of their mentors in their program. So I'm Delighted to have Allison on the program here and, and, and Danny connecting me with some people at the Indiana University High School who are doing fabulous mm-hmm. things right here on this campus that a lot of faculty probably don't realize exist, but they mm-hmm. probably trip across it walking across campus. It's right nearby here mm-hmm. and uh, it eventually someday could be larger than Indiana University if it grows like uh, North Carolina's virtual schools are growing and Florida's today are each over 60,000 students. And, uh, you know, someday we could see a, a whole shift in power here in this state to the K-12 levels in terms of virtual learning and degree completions like Western governors and other things that uh, we should be aware of. So that's what the book tries to sort out, uh, the flexibility and convenience issues and make sense of them. If just one person learned on the web in 1950, that person would have been Time Magazine's person of the year. Today we got 4 million college students and over a million high school and middle school in the U.S. alone. So there's some things to think about. Well, the uh, name of your book, The World is Open, is really no accident because I I read or I listened to some of what you said online. Um, The World is Flat by Thomas Friedman. This is sort of a corollary to that in some ways. Sure is. In fact, he'll be here and giving a free talk in Bloomington, I think, November 4th. People should come in here to Bloomington and listen to Thomas Friedman. We've corresponded a bit. Uh, When I was invited to give a keynote about about four or five years ago in Vancouver, I had been reading his book. I'd been listening to his book while I jogged. I listened to his book in my car. I watched him being interviewed uh, by Charlie Rose online and YouTube. And I got fascinated. I said, you know, the same stuff's happening in education. There are similar trends. The first third of his book is really about education. And his third edition of his book starts off with saying, hey, parents want me to tell them what to tell their kids about this flat world. And so page one right there, if you get his third edition, is really he's shifted his tone and really trying to address education. So I felt there was a gap there that I had been reading a lot and tried to make sense of all these different trends. And, and so we've corresponded a bit about the overlap between our books. And initially, his publisher was interested in the book when I was going to do an edited issue where I was going to get people around the world writing chapters, but I ended up writing the book um, myself. And unfortunately, that, that, that uh, collaboration ended at that point for whatever reason. But, uh, but yeah, we've, uh, that, that is sort of a spinoff there that I think education underbellies, underpins economic change. As a former accountant, I see education as the first place we should look 
the world becoming open. In fact, I think the world is open is a more positive metaphor than the world is flat. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to go to a a phone call. Let me give you the numbers so you can line up to talk to our three guests today. 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. Our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. Uh, Stan is on the line. Stan? Hi. I'm I'm curious whether... uh you have had students uh, such as myself who went to college rather late without a, a good high school grounding. Um, I, am, I am text-oriented, um, and I wonder whether older uh, people coming to you do as well online with a screen in front of them rather than with a text. I'm, I'm specifically thinking of people who deal with the written word. Mm-hmm. Let's, Danny, I'll ask you first, and then we'll go to Allison. Danny? Well, I would say that um, the ability to read critically and to write critically uh, would be among the top uh, three or four skills in order to be successful in online education today. That's certainly true with the courses that we produce. Of course, there is more and more use of multimedia, some streaming video. Uh, But for the most part, uh, it's very much still text-oriented. Uh, The online delivery, however, uh, creates for the reader a chance to manage their time and their pace in working with that materials. In some cases, if there is a disability in working with text, the computer, of course, can manage enlarging the text. But you certainly have a great deal of control over the pace that you use. So um, the courses that are generated in distance delivery from all the campuses as well as what we produce in independent study are based on content of IU curriculum approved by full-time faculty. Uh, The exams for our independent study courses are written exams, uh, essay or short uh, uh, written responses. Uh, They are not multiple choice scanned exams. Uh, demanding, as you would expect, as far as an IU curriculum is concerned. So I would say, in summary, if you have uh, good reading skills and writing skills and you enjoy those skills, uh, no matter at what age, you would certainly enjoy our courses. Uh, The age range on our graduates, by the way, goes on up into the early 70s, and so a pretty wide range of graduates uh, from our program around the state. Mm -hmm. Allison, same question? I would really echo a lot of what Danny just said about the ability and in the ability, the reading and writing comprehension piece of that is really applicable whether you're in the classroom or online. What we do at Western Governors University, Indiana, is we partner our students. So the minute a student comes on board for their education, they get partnered with a mentor. That mentor works with you until you graduate. And so every week there are... um, at a minimum of a once a week, our mentors are touching base with the students to help them. So it's everything from, you know, to the to the good question of what if you haven't spent a lot of time online and in that space. Our mentors are help are there to help you not only work through your curriculum, but also work through technical issues and really connect you and help you get through the online experience. And so it's a, it's a good partnership between our students and our mentors, and we found that that to be very productive for people who have differing, you know, a differentiation between their experience of uh, not just being online, but online learning. Yeah, I want to address one issue really quickly because I, I know we did a distance learning show. It's been several years ago. Um, I, I think things were not even, had not mm-hmm. exploded like they mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. now. But I remember um, talking the the guests we had, and I. I can't remember their names, who they were, but they talked about the the uh, rigorous nature of online courses. That anybody who thinks they're going to take a course online and not have to go into a classroom and listen to lectures, and that it's just going to be easier for mm-hmm. them, were really um, going to be in for a big surprise. And I wanted, I, I guess. Well, of course, that's not always true. Yeah. Uh, we would find some variability there, but I think in the coursework that you would receive online from an accredited institution. Uh, and certainly from IU, we would say that the content measures up to basically what you would find in the classroom. Some of the demands of dealing with online content um, and online classes, um, you are expected to participate. You have to do the lessons. 
Um, you have to deliver through exams that are proctored uh, uh, written content. And so it's um, – although it's not always true that you can hide in the back of the room, it's very difficult to hide as far as uh, an online course is concerned. The contribution has to be there. It's documented. It's seen by other members of the class if it's an interactive class. And all members can respond to that. So uh, a pretty high level of electronic communication and chat that's involved. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree with that. And you, it, It's – as a teacher, I'll speak from a professor's perspective here because I teach online, teach blended, teach face-to-face and video, conferencing up to Indy and IUE all over. You know, it's, there's been a shift in the past couple of years. People become familiar with online learning, and 10 years ago they were saying it was harder. You know, that was mm-hmm. the, that's what you were hearing from people before, but faculty are a bit more familiar, students are a bit more familiar, and even the instructors can create job aids for these returning adult students. See? So the questioner coming in here says, you know, I'm, I'm going to have some difficulties. I'm a little hesitant. Well, prior students can help out as mentors, as Allison pointed out. Uh, uh, job aids and scaffolds, because you know where the where the bottlenecks might be at the beginning of the course. You know, the beginning of an online course is the hardest point. The end of a face-to-face course is the hardest point. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, you got a little difference there. It's just structuring the course. There's a little difference on the planning side. Now, in terms of his issue of text... We're, we're actually worried about the opposite side, is that the, the web's full of text. And with the open access journals, over a thousand of them in the U.S. today, there's plenty of text for us to embed in our courses. What we're trying to balance off today is for people who are visual learners. And what we see happening is with YouTube EDU, not just YouTube, but YouTube EDU and Link TV and current TV Al Gore's network. And I got like 55 shared online video sites that are free today that I tap into for short little videos on psych- old psychologist experiments that my students watch. And it makes everything come alive and come together. And, and uh, it, it's so refreshing rather than just reading the book. So mm-hmm. uh, text Text is important, and, and you can get plenty. What, what we have to do as instructors is both. We have to provide options for the text-based learners as well as those that want more visuals or hands-on. And that's what the web enables you to do that face-to-face might not because now you can check a case that might be a, a text-based case or a, an interactive case of some kind with animations or you know with videos. And I think that's the power of, of all this. It's beyond text to video today because it's storage is cheap. And yeah. people are taking advantage of that cheap storage in a, in a real uh, uh, enormous way today that was not possible two years ago. Okay, we're going to go to a phone call. Uh, Patty's on the line. Patty? Yes, hello. Um, I had a question. My son is, uh, is a student with Western Governors University. He started about two or three years ago with the parent company in Salt Lake City. Um, he had to drop out a bit and just, just restarted the semester Will you, would you automatically get his name as a student in Indiana, or is there uh, somebody he should contact to maybe get the mentoring process closer to home here? The, he will, if he's living in Indiana, and I assume he is by your question, is that right? Right, right. Yes, yeah, so if he's living in Indiana, then he immediately and automatically comes into the Western Governors University of Indiana program. Okay. Our mentors, though, are across the country, and so the mentors, and because it's all virtual, it's all done online, and so it depends on his field of study where the right mentor would be to help him and coach him through the process. And oh, okay. so, mm-hmm. uh, But he will be part of Western Governors University, Indiana. Oh, okay. Okay. Great. Uh, all right. We Hi. welcome him back. Tell Good. him I said best wishes. Well, he, he was happy with it and wants to get going with it again, so yeah. Thank Happy you. to hear it. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot for the call. Um, our phone numbers again, 855-0811-1877-285-9348. Our web address is wfiu.org slash noon edition. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Telephone. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcast directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. Programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, The Ether Game, Musical Mini Quiz, as well as Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Find out more at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Fridays, the WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 11.33 a.m., 11.55 a.m., and 5.45 p.m. to catch that day's feature. They're also archived on our website, wfiu.org. 
Okay, welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And joining us today are Allison Barber, the chancellor of the Western Governors University, Indiana, Dean Danny Callison of the IU of IU Continuing Studies, and Professor Kurt Bonk of the IU School of Education. You can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. Our web address is wfiu.org slash noon edition. I was a, a little puzzled, and Allison, I guess I'm going to address this to you, but Danny, I'd like you to, to – maybe, maybe, Danny, this is more to you. Anyway, living here in Bloomington, I was so surprised when I saw on the side of our buses um, the advertisement for Western Governors University. And, I, Danny, I was somewhat familiar with the work that, that um, Bloomington Continuing Studies has done uh, in this field, and so – I thought, wow, you know, is this really something uh, that that is, uh, is is there room in the, in the in the sandbox for everybody on this? And so, I guess I'd like to know if there is duplication or if if the focus between the two is different enough. I mean, to me, um, I guess again, living in a university community, um, my loyalty would would naturally be toward my hometown university, and so I, I almost viewed this as a threat. And I'm wondering how, um, Danny, what your reaction was to to Jimmy. Uh, WGU uh, coming onto the scene? Well, I think I saw the sign on the side of a bus about three years ago, actually, so it's not a new phenomenon. Uh, and I had questions about it. I don't think I felt threatened by it because it's a free world and we know that it's expanding and if we can move educational opportunities out there for more and more people, there certainly is uh, uh, something that we should support. Uh, and I think that um, uh, Western Governors University and what we do with Indiana University, especially through continuing studies and then other degree programs that are delivered from uh, Indiana University and the various campuses, uh, we probably uh, cover a slightly different population. Uh, but I think the thing to really emphasize is the huge need in this state. Uh, we're talking about uh, at least a half a million, maybe more, Hoosier citizens age 25 and older who uh, are in need of completing that college education. Many of them have bits and pieces uh, that they can bring back. Uh, perhaps they picked up some credits from Purdue 20 years ago, a few more from Ivy Tech or whatever it may be. And with both programs, you can bring those to the table and begin to fit them together into a degree program. Um, differences may be that Indiana University would provide um, coursework that uh, is a little bit more in the liberal arts as what we do with the general studies program or perhaps target that a uh, little bit more in the business area with some of the degree completion programs that are now developing at IU East. But we have a large population to serve in this state and the total number of graduates that we have generated in general studies uh, over the last, um, oh, I would say the last 40 years, is about 28,000. Mm -hmm. Well, there are a lot more that need to be covered. Mm -hmm. uh, we certainly would welcome double that population, but even then, there are a lot more mm -hmm. that need to be covered. So um, uh, I think that there are uh, high possibilities of what uh, Western Governors University can provide. Uh, along with what we provide as well. There are some tools that hopefully will come along for both of us and also for other adult education programs, um, which would appear at Indiana Wesleyan and at uh, Franklin, for example, and University of Indianapolis. We hope that the state of Indiana begins to rethink where scholarship money and where financial aid money might go as far as adult learners are concerned. Adult learners now comprise a majority of the learners in the state of Indiana, but because they are part-time and because they may not carry a 3.5 or above, they often do not qualify for financial assistance or scholarships through state money. Uh, and indeed, they only receive about 2% of that funding. So there are some initiatives underway to shift some of that funding in order to help our adult learner population if, indeed, we're going to work this through and move Indiana up a few notches so that more of our citizens hold a college degree. Okay, Allison, if you've got an answer to that, why don't you hold on to that? Because we, we need to get to the phones real quick and see what the next question is. But you may, we'll give you a chance to answer that in a, in a, in a minute. Don, go right ahead. Yes, um, I teach uh, online classes for Ivy Tech, 
And uh, one of the discouraging aspects of some of our statewide classes is the um, assessments of the students are done on the form of uh, matching tests uh, pulled out of a textbook um, um, uh, question banks, which is, I don't know, I'm, I have my re real strong reservations for once some summer session, though, I did experiment, and this is sort of building on what some of the observations that Kurt Monk had made, um, uh, that uh, also, uh, I think it was Kurt Monk that had made them, but the importance of uh, the uh, literate critical thinking, and I did get some gripes from the students, but I instead used uh, multiple, instead of multiple choice and test bank type questions, I used essays and um, basically open book uh, essays. And with the, um, uh, we have uh, plagiarism software so we can uh, test for that. But I, I thought that the results of what I had that summer session of requiring uh, earth science students to answer essay questions took a lot of time to grade their uh, assignments. However, I felt that, and I got some very strong f positive feedback from the students who completed the class, but um, I guess my question is, was, is that uh, with the terminology that seems so evident of a problem with the uh, sciences, um, how do you avoid the pitfalls of ending up with um, tests that are and assessments that are based on almost rote memorization? Okay. Allison, do you want to try to answer that one? Well, we have a really a blended approach when it comes to assessment, and it depends on the program you're in. So if you're getting a master's degree with us, it's project-based. And so our team of graders and the assessment people folks work with you and grade your projects where you're working in that type of environment and and then for our bachelor's degrees it depends on the on the degree as well whether you're taking providing essays or writing papers um, you know reports or taking a test so it really is a mix of all of those types of assessment tools uh, and based on the program that you're in you're so one, just like education in itself, you know, one, one approach won't work for all students. So we have a broad way of assessing the learning that's taking place through our programs mm -hmm. versus just the rote memory. Hmm. You know, you're in luck, Don. Uh, today, in fact, just today, I found out that um, the 27 videos that um, I've been uh, kind of uh, secundered to create for the School of Education on kind of video primers for teaching online are, are all going up on the Internet free to the world. And one of them's on assessment. And one's on matching assessment to your uh, to your instructional objectives, and one's on plagiarism. We have one managing online learning. We have on uh, how to how to organize a class online, how to use blogs, podcasts, wikis, reflective writing, critical thinking, which was Danny's point earlier, which is the one you bring up. Uh, so we have uh, how to use visuals. You know, A to Z of teaching online, um, all less than 10 minutes long. So your faculty at Ivy Tech could watch these together at lunch, reflect on them and discuss them and so forth. You could as well. And um, to find them, well, I'm not, it's going to be called the v, the v Portal, of Video Primers for Online Teaching and Learning. If you go to Instructional Consulting, just type in Google Instructional Consulting, Indiana University V Portal. Now, I've already uh, put them up in YouTube as well. You can just go to YouTube and type in Travelin' Edman with no G on Travelin'. It's also my blog. Um, also, by the way, my World is Open book, all the references, all the web links, we've put up on a website with a free prequel and postscript at worldisopen.com. So you can find a lot of this stuff. We'll, uh, there's a lot of free stuff out there, and we should share it. So the assessment's a big issue you bring up. It's a very important issue. The four big ones are quality, copyright, plagiarism, and assessment. And we're trying, School of Ed's pushing heavily right now into online learning with language ed masters and instructional technology masters. And we're going to have an EDD in instructional systems technology soon in addition to a certificate. So anyone interested in getting beyond a master's and getting to an EDD program, that's going to be coming as well. So that's why we did the 27 videos. Mm -hmm. So, well, 
I'd like to also you know, put a plug in for the public broadcasting system in the United States. Um, one of the, the people I've been talking with have been at uh, from WGBH uh, in Boston to bring uh, NOVA Science Now and all those, that programming. And I've basically been able to get their permission to, to hopefully in the future stream video as well as uh, right now I can give the direct links to some of the more recent episodes of uh, PBS programming uh, on the Earth Sciences, uh, which to me is uh, versus giving the students kind of a dippy lab assignment to do. <laughs> have them uh, watch a program, say, is the uh, storm, the, the thing on Katrina, or uh, some of the uh, Becoming Human was a recent series mm-hmm. on NOVA. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are available as uh, streaming video right now, and to be able to incorporate, um, to me, online learning is like a, any, like almost like a book. There's, you can do it well, and you can do it poorly. And if you use all the resources that are available, and, and particularly getting into the idea of the visual learner as well as the text-based learner, I think that uh, we can really make some progress. And um, and I use the internet for my face-to-face class. Uh, I use the same resources that I use for my online instruction um, to try to offer the students uh, additional information beyond the textbook and beyond the lecture. Don, I do have this as well, a a portal of all these video sites with 10 ways to use video in the classroom from an instructor and 10 ways from a student point of view. If you you can find that off my homepage, but you can just write to me at uh, Kurt at worldisopen.com, and I'm happy to send you all these links, and uh, uh, we'll go from there. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for the call, Don. 855-0811-1877-285-9348 and WFIU.org slash Noon Edition is uh, where where to find us on the web. Uh, Louise has been very patient, and we're finally going to get to you, Louise. Hi, Louise. Thank you. Hi, hi, everyone. Um, I have a much more general question, which is, okay, we're talking about online learning and in-class learning, in-person learning. Do we actually need to have in-person classes at all? I mean, can't we just do it all online? How do the two kinds of learning experiences compare with each other? All right. It depends on the – oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I was just going to say that's a great question. Allison, you can go right ahead. I think it really depends on the student. Uh, WGU Indiana is all online. We don't have any classroom instruction at all, and we don't have teachers teaching online either. The the technology does the teaching. And so for our students, they're reading the the, the textbook, they're studying it, and then they're taking their assessments. And so our model is very unique, but it's based on the adult learner that we study and know that this is effective for its competency base and so it and it allows the adult learner to move at their own pace so most of my students graduate in two and a half years because they're the technology is doing the teaching and so that's a that's a terrific model for a certain niche of learner so we're pretty excited in indiana that we have a lot of options for hoosiers the important thing as danny mentioned soon earlier is that we've got a long road ahead of us in our state i mean we're something like what number 42 in, out of 50 states in, the, in america with adults with college degrees. So we're, we've got to have a really terrific portfolio of higher education opportunities. But to your point of do we need a classroom, some students do and some, and some don't. And I think we have options for both. I'd like to learn more about what the, the uh, master's degree opportunities are. Danny, do you, do you offer those? And, and Allison, I'd love to hear about what your offerings are as well. Well, I can start with what IU offers at, around at several of our campuses. And actually, most of the online delivery that has formed into a degree offering uh, through Indiana University has been primarily at the graduate level mm-hmm. over the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, as Kurt mentioned, there is a master's program out of um, instructional systems technology that's been offered for a number of years online. 
Uh, we offer an adult uh, education master's out of the School Continuing Studies uh, that's uh, online. Uh, we've had probably about 200 graduates over the last 15 years, and so um, that's uh, a possibility of uh, uh, what's available. Uh, also, um, I think some new developments that I just learned about this morning, uh, Jim Perry uh, at SPIA, uh, reporting to me that a new master's in public administration is coming along that SPIA will be offering, hopefully uh, starting up in January. He thinks it'll be ready to go by then. Uh, and then, of course, the master's degree programs that are dominant and prominent as far as Indiana University is concerned, the MBA Kelly Direct program, which is worldwide known and uh, has such a high reputation, and the School of Nursing, mm. uh, which offers uh, a number of online opportunities, both as degrees, certificates, and a very strong continuing education program. Mm. So that's a representation, I think, of the master's degrees that are offered online through IU. We also have the uh, language ed program and master's in that uh, uh, and um, language and culture. And then our ELPS program in the School of Ed, our Ed Leadership and Policy Studies is pushing. And so maybe principals licenses and things like that will be offered soon. I don't know the whole scope of that, but I do know that they're pushing in that area as well. Uh, and I do know the Kelly School's grown from like a dozen students in 1998 to over a thousand today. So that is really the uh, the shining star out yeah. there. We've been uh, doing research on that program for about four or five years and looking at teaming and assessment and, and all sorts of things in the Kelly Direct program. So that's really, really exploded here. And, and so it's the professional ones. Nursing, yeah. education, and uh, business are the Very big ones. Very popular options. Yeah, Allison, do you want to answer that? Sure do. We have match, uh, master's programs in our education. So master's of education, mm-hmm. also for uh, elementary and post um, and secondary Mm-hmm. Also in our – actually, all four of our colleges have master's programs. So we have MBAs in our business. We have master's in our IT program. We have master's in our health profession and then in our education program. Um, health profession, our, our real winner, I think, here in the state is helping our RNs go right from RN to MSN to get their master's and bachelor's uh, of nursing. So we have a bachelor's of nursing, but we also have a master's in nursing, which is important in our state since so many of our hospitals are going for that magnet status. Mm-hmm. Hey, I want to go back to uh, Louise's question before we let her go, because uh, she has been so patient. And Kurt, you you teach in a classroom and you also you know teach online. So, you know, her question about do we still need to have face-to-face learning, I'd like to give you an opportunity to answer that. You know, uh, Louise, that's a great question. And, and it is something we need to all ponder for ourselves. You know, what type of learner are we? And what, what kind of access do we have, are we familiar with, comfortable with? But you find blended in the research from Stanford Research Institute and the U.S. Department of Education came out last year, found that blended is best, which it means combining face-to-face and online. Fully online came in second, and face-to-face came in third in a meta, what's called meta-analysis or summary of research. There's still a lot we need to know about all this. I was kind of surprised by those findings, to be mm-hmm. honest, at this point of the game. Uh, but But it does tell us something that... You can flavor some personalization when you meet the first or last weeks of a class, or you maybe have a synchronous session. Maybe you don't meet physically, but you have a session as a, as a webcam to touch base, and you feel there's a sense of caring on the part of the instructor. Now, in Western Governors, they have the mentors, and Allison alluded to that. So it's not just uh, the student self-paced through, like the correspondence courses that I took to get into grad school. Uh, it's more than that. And I think some kind of touch. I mean, uh, Motorola had 70% dropouts in their early classes in uh, corporate training. And they went to having a guide in the third week, just kind of a mentor-like system, and the dropouts went way down. So you do need some sense of caring or touch, whether it's a face-to-face caring or a webcam uh, or a chat or guest experts. There's so many ways we can bring in people and connect with people today. Um, And I, I love video conferencing, to be honest. I can be more animated, but you can be more creative online. You can be much more creative and innovative and and try things out you couldn't before. But uh, the sun never sets in the online class, so you also have to consider that, too. Louise? um, Well, it seems to me like these three commentators basically agree that we don't really need to have classrooms anymore. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think, think so. so. Uh, <laughs> Louise, this is Danik Allison. I have to say that as much as I've worked with online delivery in various forms of instructional design, programmed instruction on into interactive video uh, production, 
My uh, undergraduate experience was the classical liberal arts seminar, face-to-face, learning from a mentor and a guide, uh, and having interactions, arguments, debates, exchange of ideas, um, someone to look up to, someone to uh, continue to think of as a leader and an educator for the rest of your life. And those are experiences I wouldn't want to deny uh, anyone, provided they have the option to do it. But I think one of the strengths of our educational system nationwide is variety. Uh, We come up with, hopefully, uh, strategies that will meet the needs of the learner at the time that they need. And so flexibility uh, is a very important part of uh, being able to access education today. And so that's, I think, uh, what we want to keep in mind as far as one of the big advantages of online delivery. What some people do, like IBM, is offload three-fourths of their leadership training to the web, and they still meet face-to-face for a final couple of weeks. The uh, National Guard does the same thing uh, down at Fort Knox. After doing a year and a half of training for their leadership uh, captain commander's course, they meet for three weeks at Fort Knox face-to-face. They call it crawl, crawl, run, walk, uh, crawl, walk, run. They crawl with asynchronous uh, without any kind of feedbacks, and then they meet, do tactical maneuvers of synchronous uh, training sessions on the weekend for six months, and then they, they run with it face-to-face. So, and there's some legitimacy and importance to having some place along the, the way to, to meet with someone for, for many uh, types of courses, not everything. Some things can be done fully online, and we need to find what those are and, find, and, and push those. Certificates, masters seem to be the areas. Degree completion seems to be the areas where we can, we can teach a fully online uh, setting. But a full undergraduate course might be much – or a curriculum might, is much more difficult. A full doctoral com- curriculum much more difficult. Wow, and I would think you'd miss something on of the experience as well. That's kind of that prospect is a little heartbreaking, I think, if, for me, I guess. But just because I, I think that there's a lot to be said for the whole uh, experience. Although certainly uh, that's not something that's that's going to be available to to everybody. I guess uh, a, a follow up question to this is how how are uh, online um, master's degrees and degrees um, being greeted by employers as far as credibility. Are they as enthusiastic about seeing uh, a degree that was uh, completed online as they are uh, the more traditional route? What what kind of experiences are you all having with that? Well, I think on the master's level, placement is good. Um, in, in professional fields, uh, not only is online delivery used for uh, as an option for completing the degree, but usually online delivery is used for professional development, mm-hmm. continuing education in those areas. Again, it's it's not necessarily all online delivery, but uh, certainly it's a it's a big portion of it. Now, let me point. At, go ahead, Allison. Indiana, we actually survey employers who have hired our students and to to check that exact question because it's important not just to get a degree to, but to be you know marketable sure. and our employers have uh, come in at between the 85 to 92% response of absolutely I would hire a graduate from WGU Indiana absolutely the students coming out of the WGU Indiana program are or WGU are at the same level of students coming out of traditional schools. And so our employers are telling us that they're pleased with the, with the results of our academic program. Okay. You know, Delco and Ford were fully funding people to get their degrees, engineers to get their MBAs from Indiana Kelly School, you know. And so it's the employers that, that respect it and are recommending it. Now, when I went to the Middle East in Abu Dhabi a couple of years ago, they want to be the, the hub for the Middle East in e-learning and online learning. But a guy walks up to me and he says, Dr. Bonk, can you tell, you know, the government here that the degree from Indiana University online is as good as the face-to-face one? I said, well, what do you mean? It doesn't say anything different on the degree. It mm-hmm. says Indiana University. It does not say online uh, degree at all. And he looks at me and he says, they'll check my passport to see if I leave the country. <laughs> and I say, you know, they actually do. And so even though the country wants to be a hub. They're naming actual cities, the e-learning or media city and this and that. They're, they're, they're promoting themselves as this uh, mecca of, uh, of e-learning and technology uh, initiatives, but yet they still are fa- face- facing this issue. They're still uh, respecting face-to-face degrees more than online. But that will change, just like uh, 
faculty are resistant to teaching online, you know, or were five, six years ago. I don't see that as much today. I see much less resistance and much more pe- of people saying, hey, I need to get some training. I'm, I'm kind of interested in what's going on here. I want to get involved. And yeah. so there will be a shift here, too. Uh, we'll still want branded degrees from Indiana. And it won't again, it won't say an online degree. The same faculty teach in the Kelly Direct program online as they teach in the face-to-face one. All right, we're going to go to, we have one more phone call I think we can get to. We have Bob on the line. Bob, we've got about three minutes to go. Bob, are you there? Yeah, are you there? Yeah, hi, it's Bob Arnold. Yeah, hi, Bob. Meetings, everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, The faculty colloquium on excellence in teaching surveyed sort of the characteristics of students who seem to do well, adult learners with the online courses, and who dropped out and who's having difficulty in it. What they found out that uh, adult learners who had previ- previous uh, college experience uh, were the ones who did better. In other words, familiarity with a higher, lear- and a higher learning environment seemed to suggest that the students would do well or stay in the uh, courses and complete them. So do you have any uh, further research on the characteristics of the adult learners who seem to fare well uh, in the, with their online courses? Well, those those students are also going to fare well in actually completing the program because they will bring in the college experience and the college credits and often be maybe a third of the way or halfway home in order to uh, do that. Uh, and they also probably bring with them a bit more of an attitude that respects higher education, that uh, really wants to complete uh, that program. So I would, I would say that it would make perfect sense that a person who has had successful college experience before, but because of whatever reasons in life they had to drop out or stop out, mm-hmm. um, they are likely to, if they do come back, to be successful with the uh, newer approaches. Okay. I have a quick response, but Allison maybe wants to jump in first. Yeah, good. Allison, 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to pass because I'm choking, so somebody okay. take my <laughs> uh, Well, Bob, Excuse hey, me. it's great, seconds, great to hear from Bob, and, and a shout-out to Bob Arnoff there. Um, you know, there's a study out there that shows that people who prefer face-to-face do better in face-to-face, and people who prefer online end up doing better in online. Mm-hmm. These are all studies that are yet to, uh, that are being done as we speak, and we're finding out more and more in this area. This is a new area, an emerging area in many respects. But uh, what what Danny says, I, I pretty much uh, totally agree with. Those people with some prior history in all this um, uh, tend to do better. Okay, we're out of time. Fascinating program today, Allison. I hope you uh, get over your choking spell. Thank you. <laughs> thank thank you very very much. You've been it's been very educational about Western Governors University, Indiana. Also, thank you to Danny Callison and Kurt. Bunk from Indiana University for Mary Catherine Thanks, Carmichael, sir. producer Dan Goldblatt, and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.